Hey, welcome to season two, episode 13 of Sports Banter with Miss Peanut. And the polar bear, what can I say? And the polar bear. Before we started rolling here, polar bear is talking about my background. Hey, does it get much better? I got Cup World Series here, Cup World Series there, Ferguson Jenkins, Randy Banks. It's a good room. It's a good room. It is a good room. I like it. With opening day right around the corner, I mean, you know, you had to, had to throw a little baseball flair in there. Oh, yeah. These are the good times. Literally last <laughs> night. Now it's a whole different uh, team, but literally last night and periodically through the offseason of baseball, I'll, I'll research or just type in my favorite search on YouTube, which is, other than sports banter, is uh, the 2016 Cubs playoff run. I just, I can't get it enough. It takes me right back to those moments of watching those games. and Those good times. Oh, my God. That should, I mean, I think we should start there. That's an impromptu deal, but I was thinking about it yesterday because uh, obviously during, it was 2015, they first made the wild card with that, you know, the Joe Madden, Dexter Fowler, Theo Epstein-led team. And just watching those playoff games, you're on edge, man. I mean, it meant so much more than the baseball game. And that's what, you know, the winning and the losing of the World Series and just games in general, like, yeah, it's great to win. Like, you're there to win. But in terms of the Chicago Cubs, it's really hard to explain. Like, it meant so much more than winning a baseball game. It's more so that it had been so long, and the Cubs fans are all in this thing together of 100 you know, one years, 108 years, which is they finally won after 108. But after all that time, like, basically, people in your family have came and watched the Cubs, and they never saw the end result of the World Series victory happen. And, you know, you know the things like just the, the blunders in the playoffs, Steve Barman, guy say his name, God bless him, hope he's doing well. But the... Being that close and then not having it happen is another part of being a Cubs fan. So you're on edge the whole time. And for that moment to finally happen for my family and then just Chicago people in general, it was euphoric. It was the most euphoric sports moment I've ever been a part of. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've never been a part of it. So I don't I have no, uh, you know, leg to stand on there. But just uh you know just you guys and we've talked about it before on our previous episodes about you know the world series and the, and the cubs and just you know just finally breaking through that wall if you will it, it it like you said it's generational and it's that it's that sitting and waiting just like oh come on we're almost there oh yes we're there <laughs> yeah man i mean and then it's weird thing. It's a weird thing in sports when there's something that happens to you, like a championship or the Cubs making the playoff run. Where I can remember, this is where I watched the game. This is who I was with, and like these are the events. Like it's all connected to where after that the Cubs made the playoffs a few more times. And I mean, I can still remember events, but it's not even close to the level of detail in my head of like I know every single detail of uh, you know where I was just because it meant that much to me my family chicago people oh yeah so look i mean this was the mecca of cubs baseball and now that weight is lifted off our shoulders so the team that they're going to put out there tomorrow is not going to be even close to that level of you know superiority but we still have 2016 to uh sit back on and remember there you go to live off of if you will hey did you see um did you see that they're going to potentially and I don't know if they actually proved it, but the electronic uh, signals or the signs, do you see that, that they might actually allow that this year? Oh, I did not see that. I thought you were going to talk about how the umpires are going to announce. No, I mean, that's a whole thing. I, don't even, I, I, don't, I don't know what the fuck that's about. <laughs> are you out on that? I, you know what? It's. I don't think it hurts. I don't think it hurts. I, I just think it's a little odd, like, now hear this, now hear this, this is what the call was. Like, I don't care. Like, you yeah, know. I think it's more just like, I guess 
it takes away the element of like the broadcast and fans like figuring out what they were talking about and it kind of gives us that clear dynamic i mean they're still gonna make wrong calls so okay. like if that's what people think that's not gonna happen i think <laughs> it'll help when like here's a perfect example like you know replays it'll be yeah. great for a replay to say hey you know so well, that's what i'm talking about yeah, like that. I I like that part of it. I like I, I. That's what I'm saying. I just think, I think, again, it goes back to the traditional baseball feel. Just I think that breaking through that barrier as a as a traditional baseball fan is going to be that interesting aspect to hear to actually hear the umpire say, "Hey, this is why the call was made." Is going to totally change the um, the feel of the game. I think. Um, but, and, and again, it goes with the, um, I don't know if they actually said yes to it or not. I know they were thinking about it, but I know they've been doing it in the minor leagues and I've watched a couple games where they've had the, uh, electronic, um, signals from pitchers to catchers. I think it's really interesting. Um, I thought it was going to totally make, I'll be honest. I thought it was going to make the game a little bit slower, but it seems like the guys it, from what I've read about it, it seems like a lot of pitchers and catchers actually really like it. So, you know, I, that's my favorite part of the game is the duel between a batter and a pitcher. And to take out that, you know, signal threat of, Hey, stealing signs. I, I think that's huge. I, I, I don't know. I think, yeah. And I think, I think MLB is still so there's a black mark on the face of, the MLB from uh, the whole Houston Astros stealing signs thing. I think as a tip of the cap to fans to say, Hey, we are trying to, you know, stealing signs is a part of baseball. We've talked about it before, but to now finally kind of add a cloak to protect yourself as a pitcher. I think that's huge, especially just how much, you know, scrutiny there was about, uh, you know, the Houston Astros, I mean, shit, Chris Sale had a, I think he had a quote like yesterday saying like, you know, I think I would have been more mad if I knew that I didn't, you know, if more teams weren't doing it, like Chris Sale was saying teams are doing it, you know, I, I, I think that was a huge, like eye opening thing for baseball fans to say, you know, I'm, I'm talking about like the people that aren't truly invested in baseball, like you and I, like, I think the fact of the matter is, is we understand that signs will be stolen but to add the the aspect of you know two hits on a trash can is a slider I I, I you know things like that it's gonna be interesting yeah I'm out I'm out on the trash can deal and I don't think I would be <laughs> uh, the Astros that's that's been a song and dance has been talked about and ripped yeah. shred. enough of the Astros um, I do like well it's gonna be something to keep tabs on for sure like the electronic messaging between uh, pitcher and catcher and then eventually if they move into the you know electronic strike zone too that's a whole can of worms but anyways <laughs> uh, you know, college yeah I digress college basketball came to a close on Monday with one of the greatest national championship games maybe ever um, between Kansas and UNC yeah, I mean, initial thoughts, initial reaction, the pace right away, unbelievable pace. I mean, they that both of those teams were moving at 100 miles an hour for the first 20 minutes of the game. Yeah. And it seems like Kansas came out pretty on it, you know, making shots, their main guy. I don't, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, so I'm not going to even attempt to butcher it. But number 30 comes out, just drains the three immediately. I'm going, all right, Kansas is picking up right where they left off. Wow. That's kind of how that whole team shot, like, immediately. So I was going, might be too much for North Carolina to bite off. But once Carolina kind of settled down and caught up to the speed of what Kansas was doing, then they took off, and they looked like the unbeatable team. I mean, talk about a tale of two halves and of two teams, like, adjusting on the fly. Yeah. That basketball game had it all. So you had, obviously, North Carolina just – doing you know they couldn't have played better in the first half than they did they were dominating 
And then they had the 16-point lead, and obviously they go in the second half and Kansas adjusts. But I don't know. Kind of give me your take of uh, that experience between the two teams and how they matched up. Well, again, while I was uh, in Disneyland, I was – I was walking around with a phone. I actually, we were at dinner when the game started. And I, again. So on brand. I know, I know. I ensured that there was a TV while I was eating dinner. And then once we went back to the park, I was phone in hand with being guided around like a little puppy. And, uh, but from what I saw, like, you know, you kind of nailed a lot of it on the head. You know, Kansas came out just, you know, I think they were up like 10-0 before, UNC actually dropped uh, their first points. And uh, when I was watching that just right off, I go, man, like, like you said, Kansas is coming out. They're playing with very quick pace. Um, and I think, I think it's a credit to UNC just being able to understand what was going on from the Kansas side and say, okay, guys, this is how we can combat this. Mind you, I think in the first half, um, Manic on UNC. I think he, I think he played his best game in the first half. Um, I think he, again, he was getting rebounds. He was playing all over the, he was playing all over the court. He was, you know, taking shots. I, I think, I think in the first half, his impact on the game was, you know, pretty huge. And, you know, and, and going into the second half where that swing of, uh, you know, that just shift in the game was, I think Manic tried to press a little bit too much. Um, and again, I, I don't, I don't, yeah, let, me, let me jump in on that. Cause yeah. the second half, obviously it was like a completely different game. Yeah. So I'm thinking at the end of the first half, uh, North Carolina is up 16 and I'm going, I mean, this is, there's basically this game's going to go one of two ways, whether it's going to go either North Carolina comes out and they, continue to execute exactly what they're doing yeah but also when you're up like that I feel like it's almost harder to maintain that than it is the team that's behind and obviously it's, it's the greatest comeback of uh championship history in terms of like points down but I think there there is an element of you can almost play free because you're down so much you do have to make baskets you have to make plays but it's it's almost I don't know it's a reverse of momentum when you're up that much to continue doing that. And then Kansas, basically, you just got to chip away, chip away, chip away. And the way Kansas came out of immediately just attacking North Carolina and then North Carolina was missing shots and not making plays and Kansas just kept chipping, kept chipping. And as it got closer, I'm going, all right, this is like a couple baskets here or there. And now it's a battle because we're talking, there's 14 minutes left and it's a completely different game now. Kansas has come out. And, you know, made just about every play in the book. They're building confidence. They're making shots now. And, you know, they're a one seed in the national championship. They're not in, in the Big 12, too, where they've been yeah. tested. And it's a 40-minute game. You know what I mean? So credits to Kansas for playing a 40-minute game and not, you know, conceding that half, which I feel like is probably easy to do if Carolina comes out and maybe goes on like a 5-0 run and you're down 21 now and you're going, shit, you know, maybe it's just not our time and they're just on a tear. but. I mean, Kansas came out, grabbed North Carolina by the neck, and was like, you guys are going to have to beat us. We're not just going to lay down. And I think that played into the whole, uh, you know, what came to be of the, the best comeback ever. I mean, the majority of that second half, the points were within two to three points of each other. And right. that, just, that shows how, you know, I, again, the, the second half, what I saw was I saw a lot of what you were saying, you know, just – Hey guys, we're down here and we just need to kind of take shots and, and take shots at will, whether it's, whether it's made or not made, at least we're, we're trying to make baskets. And I, I will say the big thing that I saw in the second half was um, Braun and McCormick on Kansas. I think those two guys working together, I think Braun just, I mean, there were a couple of plays where Braun was just driving the lane and no one was touching him. And then he just kind of, here you go. Here's two points, boys. And then there's other times where that would happen and he'd miss and McCormick was right there to either get the rebound or even set a pick. And I, 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 again, I, I'm from what I saw that McCormick to me was in the second half was the factor there. 
Um, you need a yeah. big guy. You need a big guy like that. I, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, and I think another great part of watching this game as a fan from the outside was anytime you felt like the other team had the advantage and was going to kind of take that next step of just taking this game over, the other team would respond. Exactly. I mean, what better type of competition do you want from just two top dogs playing at the top of their game? Yeah. You know, scorching hot teams and just refusing to lose. I mean, every time that little point guard, Remy Martin, was taking the three, I'm going, there's no way that's it. And it was just boom, boom. every time. I think he had, <laughs> I think he had, you know, like 14 points or something, but he made uh, three threes, which were massive every time he made them. It just, it just continued to flip the momentum. And then North Carolina would go on a run to get back. And it was just that whole dichotomy, which is why it came down, you know, to the wire. Um, another, just first of all, North Carolina has two just incredible, incredible basketball names on their team. One, Leaky Black, guys named Leaky Black, and Puff Johnson. I mean, that's – if you're looking for intangibles, those are the <laughs> – As I'm hearing that over the, you know, like Jim Nance uh, call their names, I'm going, Puff Johnson? I mean, that is just – that's just phenomenal. Sure. And Puff Johnson, if you remember, he was – first of all, he had a great game off the bench. He averaged like two points a game. And he had like 11 points, like five rebounds, just – but he was playing so fast and so hard on the up, like during one of the transitions. And they said he got hit in the stomach, but I thought it was pure exhaustion at the time. He literally keeled over and like puked on the floor because <laughs> oh, he wow. was, they had to stop the game. Even the dude on Kansas in the replay is just like, what's going on? <laughs> but uh, and North Carolina's forward, Baycott, he was tremendous as well. I mean, he's playing through a, high ankle sprain or something and he was basically good like he was healthy or playing through it the entire game and it was making a difference until the very end with under a minute he went and drove to the hoop and rolled it again and uh that was pretty much the end for him and it kind of you know that it was a key possession for North Carolina and they had a chance at the end but it it almost set their fate well they didn't score on that possession let's put it that way yeah, I liked I like I was saying earlier. I really liked the battle between um, McCormick and Baycott. I think that between those two big guys, the like I said, I, I look, I real the big guys made that game. And when and again, Maynock is a is is a Maynock or Maynock or however you want to say Baycott. it. Baycott, but then there's Maynock, right for UNC. Oh, Maynock, yeah, 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 Maynock. There you go. I think those two guys together, that was Braun and McCormick for Kansas. Yeah. And and that that right there, I think those two battles, if you will, those made or break broke the game. And we saw it. You know, uh Manic at the end, he got that rebound and just tried to dish it out for another three to tie it. And it went out oh. of bounds. And, and right, yeah. right then and there, I, you know, I, it's funny, <laughs> I was watching that. And the very first thing I thought of when I saw him dish it and it went out of bounds was when Reggie Bush tried to toss the ball in, in the, the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl. And I'm like, that to me was just manic trying to do too much. Oh yeah. You could you could see it. It was it was like he wanted to pass it without having to do yeah. the actual motion. And it was just like his his hands went faster than his brain did. And yeah. He threw it way too hard, and he instantly knew, just like, oh, that might be it. Yeah. And you know, what a crucial time to make that error. But and again, I mean, the next possession, the ball gets tossed in, and the and Kansas goes right out of bounds. I mean, you couldn't have. Yeah. Written, Let's talk you, about that. I mean, yeah. are you? I was like, can, oh my god, I I texted you that if uh, Caleb Love had made that three, he goes down to tie the game at the at the buzzer. He goes down in North Carolina history, like on the same level of Michael Jordan's shot in the championship. Yeah. I mean, but the sheer fact that Kansas passes the ball in and the guy runs out of bounds. I mean, if he doesn't, then they found him and they're at five. And then, you know, it's like some weird stuff has to happen in order to make this close, but almost an all time blunder. And if we did the snake draft again, I would have picked that instead of the Chris Webber timeout. 
I will say this, uh, you know, I did my, you know, our, our brackets and I was tied for third after all of that shit. I was tied for third and I lost, uh, off the points. Cause I thought the points I did. I put the points at like 200 and I was way off. <laughs> 200 dice. Yeah. I was like, well, you know, <laughs> these two contenders, I'm going to go, all right, they're going to go high. I mean, I was, you know, yeah. I, was, I was, I think I was, I think I was like a hundred points off or 78. Oh, yeah. points I mean, that's crazy. You're looking for like the, the Suns versus the Hornets or something. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. I just, what would it be in tiebreaker? I'm like, okay, I just put it in. You know, and I guess I have to give a shout out begrudgingly to Ryan Downing oh, for yeah. the whole tournament, whatever. Cut. Okay. Moving into, <laughs> moving into UFC 273. We haven't covered UFC in a while, but you know, we like to pick and choose our fights. Usually, Obviously, the, the really big ones we like to get into, but uh, well, this, this one has a lot of stacked. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. There's a lot of great matchups here. And, yeah, let's just freaking get into it. We're going – there's a couple title fights and one that we already covered and then just an awesome uh, welterweight matchup with a, a new contender. And hopefully we can throw some clips of his highlights because uh, let's just start there. Like, <laughs> we got – Kamza Chimaev, I think I nailed that, correct me, versus Gilbert Burns, who's the number two contender in the UFC. And the re- so this is just a normal matchup, but really this is the test of the this new kid on the block. This, this is, so if those of you listening have not seen this dude fight, personal anecdote, I'm a betting man at times. So go. I, this is like, I think it was during down in blood. the year before. It is. I'm Irish. It is what it is. So, <laughs> so I'm looking at the odds for some random UFC thing. And this guy is like minus 8,000. Yeah. Which basically means you got to bet 8,000 to win 10. Okay. And I'm going minus 8,000. This guy's on the prelim. Like, <laughs> I go, I got to see this fight just to see, like, is he that much better? The fight lasted, I think, 15 seconds. And this is Kamzad Shemaev. Jumps on the dude's back, you know, punches him like 80 times, and then just chokes him out, game over. I'm going. He was not touched. There was no punch in the other direction. So he's had three fights like that. Obviously risen in popularity. Was that the fight where, like, he fought and then, like, 20 days later, he fought right after that? Yeah, exactly. So that, you know, like, his whole story is insane. He's from, uh, I don't, I think it's Dagestan, but it might be Chechnya. I don't know. I don't know the difference there. Yeah, the um, fight's out of Sweden. Fight's out of Sweden. But he's just, he has such a unique wrestling style and punching style where basically he just wraps you up, takes you in the corner, beats the shit out of you and then chokes you out <laughs> so people have you know and he's a pretty uh outspoken individual in terms of the media where he's building his character with the usc and uh you know generating interest so the reason that this fight that i'm excited for it i'm sure you are as well is you know he's fighting the number two contender now and this is kind of the big like is he that good or just has he be- has he been beating up guys that just don't belong in there with him yeah so, I agree with everything. <laughs> um, Shemaev is a – the thing I really like about him and is that I'm – when it comes to UFC, the people that I'm the most afraid of are wrestlers, and that's because they're the most comfortable on the ground, uh, as well as jiu-jitsu, which Burns is a jiu-jitsu guy. Right. And I just – what I like about Chimaev is he he likes to attack. He's very quick to – and we've seen it. I mean, he knocked a guy out in less than a minute. and Twice. Yeah, and that in the span of 20 days, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, exactly. So I think that 
he's just he has it um i think he's on his upswing in ufc right now like you said he's he's kind of building his brand um something that i I liked was I, i was watching an interview with him and he was talking about the fighters that he surrounded himself in sweden with and you know, he, he's very reminiscent of uh, McGregor early on. He said that uh, I've surrounded myself with the guys that have succeeded in UFC, and I get to see how well they live. That's what I'm fighting for. Right. And, and, and that, that we've talked about that before, is that kind of fire is, that's totally, completely different, you know? And I, 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 I wrote a, you know, I, I don't know how we want to proceed. I wrote a couple of notes on what I think, how the fight should kind of play out between, I mean, I know we, okay. haven't, talked, I know we haven't talked much about Burns. Right. I, to me, he, he can go the longer rounds. He's kind of like a rock. He can just get hit and he, he just sits there and, and absorbs it where, Maev is or Chimaev, excuse me, he has not gone those long rounds yet. Right. And I think what's gonna benefit uh Burns here, if we were gonna lean that way, Burns needs to attack, which is what he did against uh I want to say the last name was like Timothy or something like that. Like I think it was his previous fight where that guy was very reminiscent of Chimaev, but not the power that Chimaev brings. But attack, 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 make him pay it, play, uh, you know, fight at his pace and just make it, make Chimaev goes those long rounds. Now, it's scary because Chimaev has so much power and, you know, it, it's going to be interesting how all this kind of pans out. Like I said earlier, this of these, you know, big three fights at the end of this card, this is my favorite fight because oh absolutely yeah there's just so much fire between these two guys and uh, you know it's gonna be interesting i I, i'm already my winner is chemayev i i I think he's gonna win it but i think what's gonna dictate this is how much ground game there's gonna actually be and chemayev's conditioning against burns because burns is already known to go long rounds Mm -hmm. so it's yeah interesting so, I mean, I think you hit on a lot of great points there. Most notably that with these quick, just dominant wins that Chimaev has had over guys who are not in the top 15, um, you know, those are quick wins. Regardless of how dominant you are, you're not in the, the trenches, so to speak. So for me, yeah. kind of what you said, it comes down to the grappling, which Burns is very, you know, adept at. And, you know, he's not, he's not number two in the world for no reason. Yeah, and he exactly. went, I believe he went the distance with, uh Usman as well who's you know pound for pound the best fighter in the world right now so you know if he's able to dictate the grappling game and kind of get Shamayev out of his like I'm gonna dip under you and control you from the back and just kind of control how this whole song and dance goes like I think a big win for Burns early would be if Shamayev he's gonna try to take it down I mean that's just the name of the game it's very Khabib-like and a lot of those Russian guys who are just experts in uh, wrestling like that's their comfort zone get you and then you know put you in spots where they want to put you so if he takes him to if he if Chimaev takes Burns to the ground early and Burns gets up I think that changes the whole dynamic of the fight because I don't we haven't seen anybody do that with Chimaev they kind of just get torn down there and get toyed with so if Burns has that type of strength where he's able to just stand up and change how that fight's going to go then it's a completely different ballgame if Jamayev comes out and he continues to do the same thing and he's just that bad a dude, then, you know, like, now we're talking superstar level of, like, this guy is so skilled. Maybe, like, a Khabib is the only type of guy that can. Yeah. Or just someone that has that elite level of wrestling is it going to be. But, so that's the question mark. Is is Burns going to have the upper hand of strength and grappling and knowing how to get out of certain spots when he's in a bad spot? and on Chimaev's end, if the fight does go long, is he able to withstand uh, a guy like Burns who's been in these high-level fights for a while now? So I totally agree. I'm very excited for that matchup. And I'm hoping Chimaev wins too because I just want to continue seeing 
this guy fight the top guys. He called out Colby Covington like today, and I'd love to see Covington get his ass beat. So <laughs> I'm hoping Jamayev. I'm picking Jamayev, and I'm hoping Jamayev. Let's just go pure heart. And the second fight for the second of the main event is the bantamweight rematch championship. Which, if you recall, we had covered this probably the last time we went over the UFC, and it's Peter Yan. Pietra? I don't know. It's like I think it's Peter actually Yon. just Peter. Uh, we I butcher it every time, but it is. It's like just spell it, Peter. You son of a uh, versus <laughs> Aljamain Sterling, which last time uh, it ended in complete controversy with uh, Sterling a base like on a knee, and then Jan need him illegal, and Sterling kind of laid down there, and you know. Basically said I can't fight anymore because the knee was too. And I'm not. I'm not questioning that. I'm sure you know a knee to the face probably hurts a little bit. So, but that you know he won by default basically. So the second fight was always going to happen. Um, yeah. What do you see in this matchup? Um. So again, going off of last fight, I mean Sterling to win like that is not how any fighter wants to win, um, and I don't think how Peter lost was how any fighter wants to lose. I think it was a mistake in the ring. Again, I don't think there was any ill intent. I think it was just a mistake. Who knows, right? Who the fuck knows? Um, But I think because, you know, prior to our our sports banter uh, meeting, so to speak, I uh, watched the fight again. And something that I noticed was, Sterling was just kind of moving very quickly in that first round. And to a lot of guys, I think points wise, he won that first round. And as I've started kind of getting a little bit more understanding of how Peter fights, he's the type of guy that can, that can kind of sit there and, okay, take my shots, take my shots. And then, okay, now I know what you're doing. Now I know how to react. And we saw that in the later rounds with uh, Sterling and Peter and uh, their first uh, fight together. I mean, you saw there was a, especially even towards the end of that first round. I mean, Peter was throwing Sterling to the ground. Sterling was getting tired. Full I mean, control. Yeah, full control. And, you know, it, this fight to me, I think for Sterling to win, he needs to understand his pace, but also he needs to deliver blows to Peter because Sterling last round, last fight was, he was, he definitely had the majority of the shots, but I don't know how many of those actually affected Jan where Jan is a guy, he's that, you know, Russian rock just can start absorbing stuff and go, okay, I'm getting more mad at you and I'm just going to come out and explode. So um, again, I think pace power is going to be huge and also just methodically learning how to fight i think on yon's side i think that's just that's his mo um he, he's that guy that will sit there absorb the shots learn what you're doing learn where you're vulnerable and come at you i mean that that's how i think it is and i i i'm gonna give you my pick my pick is yon i it's just how i'm picking it and um you know, I, 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 you know, something else to just to take into consideration is Sterling's coming off of a neck surgery, and that 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 is huge. And, you know, he's he hasn't fought since his last fight against Peter, where Peter fought in October. I mean, it. it I don't know. To me, that to me, I think Sterling's going to do the same shit he did last round, where he comes out hot and starts just trying to break down chop down the tree if you will and I, I don't know I see Peter I see Peter coming out on top yeah I absolutely love that analysis I mean it kind of hits the nail on the head of like wh- how I see those two fighters as well um I, and Aljamain Sterling has just a strange like personality to him it doesn't jive mm-hmm. with me I've seen him on the UFC embedded stuff and he kind of reminds me of like Henry Cejudo where like he comes into the camp, like he knows the camera's on him. He has all these like jokes lined up. Nothing's natural. So I can't remember what I saw like a couple of days ago, but it was like, 
you know, some, some type of dig at uh, Peter, but it was like so lame and just not like intimidating. It was just like very third grade-ish. So like, if that's like your main, if you're trying to get under someone's skin, like you're going to have to do way better than just being like a dork on camera. That's, I agree with you. And that's how he fights. Yeah. Like, and then in terms of fighting, I feel like he had a solid like five or six fights and it was kind of like, I feel like Dana White sees the writing on the wall too of, of what you're saying. Um, Aljamain's more of a point guy. He's not a finish guy, um, but he continues winning these fights and ultimately he put himself in the position to be in this fight because he won so many fights and it's like, he's the next guy up. He deserves it. And rightfully so. Yeah. But is he a guy that you walk into the ring, it's like, oh, Aljamain Sterling like has knockout power. Like, I got to look out for this. No, I think it's a lot of what you said of he's going to play, or he's going to fight a very particular fight, a very strategized fight of trying to, you know, get in there, get out, um, you know, play a lot of defense. I, I, he's, it, to me, he's not that exciting of a fighter, whereas Jan is what you're saying. He's breaking down how you're moving and he's going for the kill. Uh, the first fight that I had seen with Jan was when he fought Jose Aldo a couple years back and just, oh, just obliterated him. And the refs, you know, Aldo's an all-time legend in UFC, so I feel like they gave him every chance in the book to stay in that fight, but it was it needed to end about five minutes prior. Like, it was just not good. But that shows you the type of fighter that uh, Jan is. I mean, he's going to get in there. He's going to get you where he wants to. And once he has you hurt, he's not backing off to no. win the round. No, he's going in to finish you. And those are the most dangerous guys in the UFC. So I like Jan in the rematch as well, as long as he doesn't do anything else illegal. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, he's going to be scrutinized for that in this fight. Yeah, right? it's going to be. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Sterling, you know, he's like, oh, he poked my eye or something. I feel like he's that type of guy to more like bring attention to like he's doing illegal stuff and actually try to win the fight. And that might just be how you know. I just think Jan is a much da- more much more dangerous fighter, and the rightful. Air will be the bantamweight champ. So I'm going Yon as well. And then in the last, the headliner, we got Volkanovski defending his title for like the thousandth time versus the, the guy with the greatest uh, stage name, nickname, whatever you want to say in the UFC, the Korean zombie. Don't even know his first name. Don't know his last name. Just the Korean zombie. I think his first name is Chan. There you go. There you go. Chan. Okay. <laughs> I think it's like Chan Zhu Yen or something like that. I think that's yeah. I just I think it's funny how they they literally reference him as either zombie or the Korean zombie. You rarely hear his first and last name because no one wants to say zombie. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, talk about just uh, off off cuff, like just having being referenced to as zombie. Like, oh, what's up, zombie? Like that's that's who you are. That's pretty badass, first of all. Yeah, I agree with that. Um. But I see this as Volkanovski defending this title. I would love to see the zombie come out. And he's a brawler, so he's going to throw his punches, and you know he's not going to try to win a, a point battle. But Volkanovski's been defending for a while. He's beat Holloway three times. One time, I think he lost, but he won due to the points, whatever. So he gets the W. Uh, Brian Ortega, I mean, he's defended his belt versus a lot of worthy competitors. And I see those guys as steps ahead of Zombie. I'm talking Holloway. I'm talking Ortega, mostly. So, you know, unless he gets clipped and gets, or puts himself in a bad position versus Zombie, I feel like he's the more well-balanced fighter. Um, he's been in these championship fights where he's been around, you know, the hype of the fight. He's the headliner. He's been in there. I don't know how many championship fights Zombie's been in, but – it's, it's more so one of those moments where you are in this position and it's like take advantage of being in this position because if you lose this fight, who yeah. knows we'll be back here if ever. And that happens to a lot of these UFC guys that get cycled through and it's like this is your shot. You either make it or you don't. Um, I feel personally that Holloway is the guy that's going to take Volkanovski off his throne and it's going to be in the fourth fight um, because – 
you just need that type of just fight IQ. And not to say Zombie doesn't have the fight IQ. I just don't know if he has the intangibles to, you know, beat a guy that's held the belt for a while. So I'm going Volkanovski, the little, I think he's from New Zealand. So. Uh, <laughs> all right. I'm taking uh, Volkanovski as well. Um, we're in complete and total agreement. That's a bad. That's a bad recipe. That's a bad. Right. That does right. not work out on this show. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's true. It's true. Watch, it's going to go all the other ways. Yeah, I got to start keeping track of that because you know, make it, every time we get out of these deals, I feel good about everything that we've said. And then it's like, oh, did you see Chimaev get blown out in the first round? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think uh, Volkanovski is. Uh, you know, just a couple of my notes here. I, I, I think he's a very slippery fighter when he's on the ground. He's some, I mean, we've, what was it? Two fights ago where he was, looked like everybody was, had him tapped out and then he right. just, whoop, and then, you know, he got back into another, you know, another hold and he's, he got, he broke out of that one too. And he, and I, I think he's just a guy that, I think he's a guy that can go into those long distant rounds. He's somebody that can take a hit, absorb a hit, but also understand like where to get your points at too, which is again, we need it. it UFC points are where it's made. Oh, it. Go those right. long distances. And so I think that's for him. Um, I think I wrote here just uh, for the Korean zombie. He really needs to, I mean, these guys are good. Um, cause I started, I just kind of looked into what their, uh, you know, what their attributes are in the ring. And I saw that, uh, Volkanovsky has like a 70%, uh, grappling defense where the Korean zombie has 77%. I mean, that's pretty fucking good for two guys that are comfortable on the ground. So I think, uh, I wrote it as Volkanovski needs to attack Korean, the Korean zombie and put him on his back heels. And then the final move is bring the Korean zombie to the ground and then take it out. I took it out with a, uh, uh, a TKO. That's literally what I wrote. Volkanovski TKOing Korean zombie. I don't really, you know, I don't know. I like your opinion on this out of the three fights we spoke about. I, I think this fight to a lot of people is extremely one-sided. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Um, I respect the Korean zombies yeah, career. I do too. We have seen a very long time, but it just it just feels slated. Yeah, it feels like it almost feels like Volkanovski needed a fight, and it's like who's who's ready, who hasn't fought in a while, who's close enough in the rankings, but it's not like a marquee matchup. You know what I mean? That's exactly I don't think, how I feel. Yeah. And, you know, that might bite us in the ass if the, the zombie, you know, pulls off. But it would be an upset. You know what I mean? It, it really would be, be. It would be totally unexpected. Um, and, you know, 77% grappling defense, I think, is huge. If you get him to the ground, then I think, it, you know, Volkanovski seems like the type of guy that's going to keep you there. It, it, I, don't, I don't see the zombie, you know, standing right back up. I think it becomes a defense on the ground type of situation if he gets you there. But to uh, your question, yeah, I, I see. I think it could go the whole distance, but it would be kind of maybe not as bad as Miles of all Covington because that was just talking about one-sided. Yeah. But I would see it like a, as a 49-46. I would love it to be just an all-out. I would love all three of these fights to be just fantastic, like, very close, very in tune, and you never know with UFC, which is what makes it so great yeah. to watch. But um, from the from the days before, and just the outside looking in, and the histories of both guys and the type of fires there, I totally agree. I think Volkanovski is just more well rounded, and if he doesn't get clipped, then it seems like an easy point W. Well, yeah, and that's why I that's why I put it as a TKO because, yeah. like you said, you push, push, push get a couple pops in from Volkanovski and then you just bring him to the ground and make him, make him survive that. Honestly, I think that's it. Make the Korean zombie survive on the ground. 
Because if, if you get him there, he's going to be – one, he's going to be stunned because he's so fucked up. And number two, he's just going to be sitting there going, oh, fuck, I, 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 I'm down on the ground. This And, again, Volkanovski's good on the ground. He's slippery down there. He can move around. So, yeah, I – I completely agree with the point of, you know, you know the zombie's going to press because he's got to have his shots hit. If they don't hit and yeah, it, it becomes, he, he will almost be aware, like, my shots aren't hitting and I have to basically go for it. So that's exerting a lot of energy. And then Volkanovski knows that his shots aren't hitting too. So if he, if he sees that, then he's going to play his game and he's obviously the favorite in the fight. So, yeah, very interesting um i will be tuning in for these three fights very excited like you said for kamza to see you know if he wins that fight i mean all bets are off of who's next and does it turn into a title shot i think that's a little soon but i'm watching it if he's in there i think it could turn to a title fight just based off of the following he has in the ufc right and you know it's look if you can win in spectacular fashion and then back it up and just seem like a type of guy that can't be fucked with to be blunt about it. I mean, that's the recipe that boxers, MMA guys, like that's who you need to be to generate the public interest. And, you know, it was, we like to bring up McGregor because he's the superstar of the combat world, regardless of all the shit he's done, but you tune in to watch him because of, the confidence and the brashness and the results of winning when he was winning. So you want to see if he can keep doing it. So Kamazot's on that train right now, and I'm, I'm uh, pretty pumped to see what he can do. I see a lot of uh, Cowboy Cerrone in – Oh, I love that. Chimeyev. I, I see a lot of that very reminiscent of – I mean, and the reason I say that is because Cowboy was so just like, okay, oh, you need me to fight? I'll fight tomorrow. And is the same guy. Like I just fought a guy. I won. I got 10 days or 20 days between my other fight. I'll fight again. Doctor gives me the green light. Boom. And I think what that, I just wanted to bring that up because it shows that even let's say this, he beats uh, Burns on Saturday, right? And they give him a title fight. Even if he loses, and I hope he doesn't in that title fight, I know for a fact that Chimeoff will have the will be will tell Dana, hey, give me another opportunity to get there in 20 days. You know? right. <laughs> like, and, and I think that I think if he were to lose that title fight, the fire within him is yeah. And he, he reminds me very much of Cowboy, too. Like, Cowboy was a tall, skinnier dude. He, you know, Cowboy had a lot of power. And if he could clip you, he'd clip you. And I don't know. I just, I have that. I don't know. Maybe I call him the Swedish Cowboy now. I don't know what to say. Maybe that's his nickname. <laughs> <laughs> that was beautiful. Oh, that, that just came to you, huh? Dude, yeah, the Swedish Cowboy. <laughs> oh. Oh, wow. We'll have to find some edits or something. Uh, <laughs> that's possible. I don't even know. Uh, all right. Let's wrap this up. All right. So, episode 13. Once again, full of life, full of energy, <laughs> and full of conversation with my guy, the polar bear. Starting with opening day tomorrow. Oh. Uh, you know, a little blurb about my cubbies. The good old days. I will be writing out that championship probably maybe forever. If it never happens again, like I still have that. So it's one of the few things in sports where if you win that one, you can just, that might be it. I don't know, but I'm excited to see, you know, hopefully our team, the Padres and my team, the Cubs come out hot and like, let's get a little excitement generated. Yeah. The, we like, we've been talking about that need W's out the gate. So baseball's back starting tomorrow. Fired up about it. Um, national championship, Kansas UNC. Exceptional. 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 Yeah, that's right. Just the type of shit you want to see on that team. Hey, we got to me, we got to see two big guys play against each other and 
and take control of the game, honestly, in my eyes. Yeah, credit to both of the well, – credit, yeah, both of those schools for making it that run uh, and making that game exactly what you want to see as a fan. That's right. You want to see the eight seed just going bananas in that tournament to get there. Um, you can never count out the Blue Bloods, man. Kansas, UNC. It's like it's a textbook championship matchup. So I'll, I'll try to keep that in mind next March Madness when I'm destroying another 40 bucks and another bracket. <laughs> and then lastly, we got UFC 273. We got, you know, there's a lot of fights on the card, but we got three of the main fights that we're talking about. And I'm freaking excited about it. I mean, I love when the UFC puts together a great card, and I love when you can be excited about one fight, and then it happens, and then you're excited about the next fight, and that happens, and it's just like a, it's just a beautiful thing, and it's a little touch off of, you know, different sports, so you get a little different juices flowing. That's right. That's right. Uh, Polar Bear, what do you got for the good people of Sports Banter, who have been watching uh, these YouTubes, and we uh, thank you tremendously. Oh, yeah. I mean, the YouTube, again. Get on our YouTube page. We're trying to dial that in once again. Uh, get a lot more content on there. You can watch our videos again. Um, why don't get, jump into our uh, Instagram page, underscore sports banter, uh, where we post all of the uh, sports affiliated items. And Fantastic page. I do say so myself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we try to, you know, we're trying to grow this into something. We also have our link tree uh, in our bio for a, uh, our sports on our sports panther page on Instagram, which gets you to our podcasting streaming services, our YouTube, as well as our blogs, which is uh, Blog City, correct? Correct me if I'm wrong. Sports Banter City. There you go. But hey, you don't have to know all that. Just click the link. There we'll you go. You don't need to know all that minutia. Just get right there, baby. We got you. Have no fear. <laughs> Beautiful. But for season two, episode 13, Forge Banter, out.